This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. You're listening to The Blitz 1170. Streaming live at theblitztulsa.com and on the Blitz 1170 app. All right, 206 here on the Blitz 1170. What's going on? Hope that you've had a good Wednesday so far. My name is Jeremy Poplin. Thank you for tuning in. You heard right there before we came back, giving you a chance to go to Kansas City to the Midwest Regional from our friends at Coors Light. It's March Hoops here on the Blitz 1170. March 9th at Roosters in Owasso, 86th Street North. That's the first time that we'll be on the road. Stop by register using a qr code that we will have for you we'll be there between one and six and uh we've got tickets three nights stay at a hotel and also some spending cash that you can take with you and i'll spend it on whatever you want maybe some more ice cold cores light eli letterman joins us now here on the blitz 1170 i like to refer to him as a tea aficionado uh, as eli loves himself some good tea uh eli was looking here on things that we could do for different, like, tea time music to bring you on. Um, so there was a, by, there's no good, like, tea songs at all. Uh, there's Tea in the Sahara by Sting and the Police. There's uh, Whiskey and Green Tea, which is like a punk rock song by a group called Supergrass. Um, there's also uh, Sugar Honey Ice Tea by Kellis. There's no way that we could actually air that one. And <laughs> Tea and Sympathy by the Christian rock band Jars of Clay. Uh, other than that, we're kind of, you know what, out of luck when it comes to good entry songs that involve tea. Whiskey and green tea sounds like my ideal afternoon. And, like, that sounds fantastic, Pop. Boy, does that not sound like a hell of a day for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's extremely energetic. Maybe it doesn't necessarily set the same tone as what someone, a fellow tea drinker, would. But, uh, yeah, you uh, you get the point there. Hey, before we actually talk about OU, I do have to get your opinions. I, how much of um, the uh, Netflix golf series – have you burned through so far? I think I'm about halfway through. So I've gotten a good taste. Okay. Um, I've gotten to my favorite episode to this point, which was the Joel Damon. Uh, ah, yes. Yeah. Thought that, I mean, it was obviously funny, but it was fascinating. I think we look at all these, you know, quote unquote killers at the very top. And then you see a guy like him who's uber talented, self-deprecating and has, you know, some level of a, because you could say like a belief issue. I thought that was so well, easily the most interesting of them, but I, I've been into it. I've really liked it so far. Okay. A couple of questions then. Do you feel that he is too self-deprecating? That's a question for him and, and maybe like a licensed professional. To, but as to a viewer, in. as a viewer, yeah, no, think, did you find it irritating at times? When you're, oh, some, not at all. Okay. All right. All right. That's I thought that, he was great. And, uh, I thought him and Gino, like that's that that's a friendship we should all aspire to. I hope we yes. have a, everyone. I hope has a Gino in their life because um, they are 
I think in a sport that takes itself so seriously and then for good reason at, again at the top you look at what it takes I think to be one of those very 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 best as you're seeing in this show takes a lot uh, but to see someone that close to the top and, and perhaps you know even for a weekend uh, at the U.S. Open last year who was right there at the top who could have maybe the perspective he has I think is interesting but yeah I mean it was uh it was a real, I think it was the most real watch of them all because you kind of came away with a lot of questions about Joel Damon. And I don't, I don't think there's any one right way to feel about it uh, as far as his story. Well, if you love the Joe Damon story, then I think that you will also greatly appreciate the Tony Fino episode, which I, which I finished last night. Really eager to get to that one. But I think on the whole full swing has, I'm partial to that over Breakpoint, the tennis kind of edition of this. I think F1 for its novelty and obviously the action it has probably takes the cake still, but I've been really into full swing. I've liked it. And the the Southern Hill stuff has been awesome. I have as well. Um, The tennis version after the Nick Kyrgios episode one, they came out like a, like with a banger because that guy's fascinating to me. And then after that, it's, it hasn't been necessarily as much of a captivating watch as what I feel like full swing has been. So yeah, I, I think that you will enjoy the uh, Tony Finau version for sure coming up. And uh, thank goodness that they've sprinkled in some more Southern Hills elements uh, across the course of the episodes, and they just weren't one and done with that after episode one. All right, uh, we did not bring you on to talk about that, even though I do value your opinion. You had a story that dropped today that I can only imagine was incredibly fun to write. Uh, but it featured a character that we here in the city of Tulsa are familiar with due to his head coaching tenure at UTEP when they were in the whack and playing Tulsa in the early 2000s. After Billy Gillespie left UTEP, Doc Sadler took over for two years, had two pretty good teams, and then tried to turn Nebraska into a basketball power. See how that worked out for him. And then also being involved at times in the ORU search. So how much fun was this story that you had a chance to write about Doc Sadler living in a van outside of the Lloyd Noble Center? Yeah, you put it, I mean, it was a blast to, to write and to spend some time with Doc for this one and to kind of just dive into this story. And as you outlined, like those, those were just a few of the stops he's had on what is a 45-year coaching career in, in men's college basketball started as a student assistant uh, with, with Eddie Sutton at Arkansas in 1979, bunch of assistant jobs, kind of journeyman assistant coach for a bunch of years, finally got his cracks at head coaching and bringing it kind of full circle to today. Doc Sadler in the fall of 2022 thought he was done, retired, uh, stepping away from basketball for the first time and at the end of that career. And he and his wife, Tanya, bought this camper van to travel the country and, and do all these things in retirement, see all these places. Uh, six days before the season, Porter, loser, Porter Moser uh, loses an assistant coach uh, who resigns just before the season, and he calls on an old friend, Doc Sadler, who not only comes to OU to spend uh, the season as a special advisor to Porter, Porter Moser, but doesn't want to live in a hotel, doesn't want to live in a rental home or anything, uh, and decides to just plug in the camper van about several hundred yards from uh, Lloyd Doble Center, and that is where he has been. Uh, since November. It's referred to as the Doxter. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I need to talk to him probably about the, the th- how much that thing weighs and it's only powered by a V6. So, yeah, it, it probably takes a little bit for it to get up and go. 
Um, I guess I'm fascinated, and maybe why this is as intriguing to me as what it is, is that there's something about van life, and van life has had a resurgence, and I think a lot of that was due to the pandemic. All of us remember stories about people that would find more love and dedication to travel, and they would do it through buying these vans and have them refurbished. Or if you're an RV or just Winnebago person, um, had Doc had experience with this in the past is this is this kind of like a throwback to his childhood that he remembers from taking trips like this with his parents i'm i'm interested to see like what the genesis of this was yeah i mean that that was like the thing for me obviously there was like just this incredible fact that one of porter moser's closest to you know assistants confidants lives in a van outside the arena but you know where my mind went was was kind of to the why of it all of why you would leave retirement uh to, to go do this to get back into coaching to leave retirement and to do it living in a van all those things but you know for doc i mean there's, there's road trips um that he he has in his past that he cherishes one he told me about with him and his father uh just before his father passed away in the early 2000s going to the you know driving to the hoover dam and the grand canyon and the golden gate bridge an amazing little detail that i got from doc was that his father, who was a high school football coach in Arkansas for a good number of years, at one point lived in a trailer plugged into a gym outside of the high school that, okay. that he coached at. And that is incredible. So there is um, a bit of like mirroring, um, you know, his, his father's coaching career. But I, I really think this was just kind of a practical move. I mean, again, at, in the story, I, I talk a, a little bit about the places he has been so far with his wife, Tanya, in retirement. They went to uh, to New York City. He drove it through Times Square. It's been up all in the Northeast and uh, Bush Compound in Kennebunk, Port Maine, and all those things. So it was purchased just for retirement as a, a place that they could go wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted, with all this free time they finally had. Uh, and then Doc gets a call from Porter Moser, makes the decision to come back. And it really was just practical for him, I think. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a guy, Porter Moser likes, uh, certainly likes his assistants to be around. Uh, Doc Sadler is pretty around. He, he walks out of the van and in, into the team facility uh, around 7.15 most mornings. And I think, you know, as long as he's needed there, he hangs. And uh, he'll, he's a, a really valued member, I think, in part, a member of the staff in part, just because he's, uh, he is always around. You know, the other thing I think that's great about it is um, after getting the grand tour, as you wrote about here inside the story of, of the Doxter, you went through and talked about the amenities which was the twin beds, there was the fridge, there was the, quote, wet bathroom with a shower that Sadler said that he seldom uses because he just will use the locker room shower. There is a burner stovetop with a convection oven that he uses even less. It is somewhat of a life, uh, like a minimalist lifestyle, which is part of the intrigue to it. Uh, but with his number of years of coaching, it is kind of, in a way, it harkens back to when you were first able to break into the coaching realm, right? When you weren't making a whole lot of money, when you had to do different things to make ends meet. And I, I hear coaches all the time, Eli, reminisce about the early days when they first started getting into the business about, you know, sharing a room at a facility or, or low-rent apartment somewhere or a low-rent house uh, and about how that really reminded them, and they they think back on those times fondly about cutting their teeth in the business. Was there any of that in the conversations that you had with Doc? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, I think a big part of the story is just love of the game. I and mean, we're talking about 
a guy who has been doing this for 45 years and obviously felt some pull to come back. I mean, he was, I guess he wasn't fully removing himself from the sport of college basketball. His plans uh, before making the full comeback were to travel in that van and, and go see games and old friends all year. So he was not going to be fully removed, but again, you don't, I don't think you come back at, at 62 years old to live in a van and, you know, serve as an advisor and, and kind of bring yourself back into all the rigors that come with, just the schedule of, of a college basketball season without having that, that base love that, that has not faded. Whatever got Doc Sadler into this uh, it, at, at Arkansas and, you know, was passed down from his father in terms of coaching is just as strong today. And it's, it's what's made, uh, I think, him such a valuable person to, to Porter Moser and to the Sooners. There's some really good stories within this story about what he's been able to do for them. But it, it, it's what has him again, as, as funny as it is, you know, going back and forth, sleeping each night in the van so he can be a part of this. He's right. At the very end, you close out the story with, I'll probably drive around and play some golf with some friends. Not a bad gig. Yeah, he's 100% correct. There is just something pretty good. so special about the amount of freedom that something like that possesses. That is always, it's like a distant calling in my DNA that I'll probably never be able to get to because I can barely afford gas now. But it's just it's just one of those things that I, I think is is great and another element to a pretty unique character, right? I, I know that there were a couple of um, Nebraska people that I saw on social media that were just talking about, well, here's another you know crazy story in the life of Doc Sadler. And um, I, the world needs unique characters like this that are willing to do things like this. Guys like Doc Sadler, I think, you know, especially in a sport like college basketball, that it, so many turns can give you reasons to be grossed out or disappointed. He, he's one of those enduring stories of a, of a college basketball lifer we need more of. Um, and, yeah, you, I, I hope you can sense it through the story. You, you should probably have him on, not me, because he'd be a whole lot more entertaining, um, because he really just is a, a light of positivity. And, and, you know, Porter Moser and the players, you know, as, as it relates to players, in his role as an advisor, he's not allowed by NCAA rules to, to work with them on court. And, and really, he's limited in what he can do as far as being a basketball coach. But I, I think the, the perspective he's been able to bring this team, especially these Sooners, who have you know, really had some challenges in, in, in a frustrating season, he's been a light of positivity. And, and you mentioned Nebraska. I talked to Fred Hoiberg for this. Uh, he, he said, you know, when Doc was there the last few years back, as just an assistant and advisor. Uh, under Fred Hoiberg, players were just in his office office constantly, highs, lows. They they knew they could go to Doc Sadler, and so the the personality he's got uh, is is unmatched. It's unique, uh, but but his presence I think is pretty strong too, and and it's been a, a factor for the Sooners this year. Eli Letterman's our guest here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa World. So was the win over Iowa State for OU basketball, was that more about Oklahoma or is that more about kind of the free fall that we see Iowa State in right now? TBD. We're going to have local. I'm sure we'll find out. Because that has been a story uh, all year, right? Uh, with the Big 12 and with OU is, is you see something one night and you want to figure out how much to read into it because we've seen – uh, at one point this season, I might have argued to you that Iowa State was, I think, the best team in the conference. And now we're here, and we've seen Kansas State, who the Sooners see tonight, go up and down. Everyone's kind of had their setbacks um, and, and high points. And so we will see. Uh, I think for Oklahoma, uh, for Oklahoma tonight, it has to be about stringing together two wins. Uh, they've not done that since mid-December. And so any 
you know, whatever, however you think OU should approach these final few games, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the fact that they're still really, really fighting. All the things you could say about this team, you certainly couldn't say they've given up or anything. But if you are an OU fan who says, you know, I'd like maybe they can go to Kansas City and, and make a run and somehow scratch their way into some tournament contention, it, it's got to start tonight with simply winning one game and coming back in this league and in, in the toughest league in the in the nation and doing it again and, and again on the road at a tough place to play in Manhattan. Until then, I, I think you, you probably have a lot of the same concerns uh, about their ability to do it consistently. All good from you on the weather front. I know it's been an interesting day down there, Norman Way, um, with uh, places of travel blocked and people not being able to get to work in on time. Uh, how was the uh, Eli Letterman homestead? I was all good, fortunately. This was kind of one of my first run-ins with a, a true serious tornado as a Northeasterner, so I was l- learning a, a, as I went. And I was yeah. all good. I, you know, Norman Norman really was where uh, this hit and, and all the best to, to anyone who was affected. But a, a wrinkle, if you'd like it, for Doc Sadler, you know, he'd talk to me about how the wind would blow that thing on a normal night. Uh, you're watching the news on Sunday night and you hear things like you know, uh, your motor home or your mobile home is no longer safe. And so I was thinking about Doc, and it turns out he, he had moved the uh, the van to a parking garage and slept in the coach's lounge. And by Monday afternoon, and if you drive by Lloyd Noble Center right now, you'll see them, there was an entire fleet of, uh, of disaster relief vehicles and emergency response workers from all over the country parked around Doc. So he's got neighbors in the parking lot now as a result of, uh, of the weather that rolled through. Well, bless him for finding a safe place uh, to get inside, uh, for sure, with all of that damage that's uh, that's happened there that's been sustained around the uh, Norman area. Eli, great story, man. I really appreciate you jumping on um, and kind of walking us through it. I, I love, love off-the-road version, no pun intended, stories of, uh, of coaches and just people that fascinate me like Doc Sadler. Good stuff, man, and uh, we'll make sure to continue to pump it up for you. Appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for having me on. That's Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170, as he tends to do from time to time here in the afternoons covering the Oklahoma Sooners. All right, let's take a timeout. It's 224 here on the Blitz 1170. Do we have any latest info involving the Pac-12, involving a potential deal, The answer to that is maybe. We'll discuss that and a few other items in a cornucopia segment next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.